Hey, daughter of God. I'm so happy to be here today with my amazing friend, Brittany. She's a therapist and today she will be teaching us four steps on how to overcome stress and fear and basically any negative emotions in our life. So I know that this episode will be so useful and helpful for all you mamas and mamas-to-be out there. So I hope that this episode will bless you as much as it has blessed me. Welcome to the Christian Pregnancy Podcast. If you are ready to overcome stress and fear in pregnancy, childbirth and postpartum by applying God's Word in your life, you are in the right place. I believe that children are a gift from God and the journey into motherhood is meant to be blessed. However, we find ourselves full of stress and fear. As mummies to be or new mums, you are a daughter of God and Jesus has come that we may have abundant life. And this abundant life includes joy and peace through your motherhood journey. I believe as mums, we have the authority to claim this promise from God. I'm Gladys, a mum of two who has been through the struggles of being pregnant, staying pregnant, followed by a challenging childbirth and postpartum. But God was and is my strength, and I am called to help you claim a pregnancy of purpose, a childbirth full of joy, and a motherhood of meaning. Put up your feet, grab your pickles or ice cream. It's time to dig into this journey with Jesus at the wheel. Hey Brittany, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Why don't you tell us more about yourself, a, a little bit, a short intro about yourself to start it off? Yeah, Gladys, I'm just so honored to be here. I just think you're so amazing and it's a treat to be here. So yeah, I am a, a formerly licensed marriage and family therapist. So I kind of took a pivot guide um, actually through my own miscarriage, uh, brought me to do start a podcast and do coaching now. So that is what I'm doing now. I really am passionate about helping moms step out of anxiety, depression, overwhelm, and step into the freedom and the joy that I believe that God has for them, that motherhood doesn't have to be this chaos. It's going to be a little bit of chaos, but it doesn't have to be uh, overwhelming and defeating. And I believe that there's uh, a lot of freedom waiting for us uh, when we work to heal ourselves first. And so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about who I am and uh, why I'm here. Wow, that's just so amazing. So can you tell us how did you get into the mental health field in the first place? Yeah, so originally, um, back ever since I can remember, I have struggled with anger and uh, just deep depression and anxiety. And like ever since I was a child and I grew up like in a pretty healthy home, like my parents are still together after 35 years, there was no abuse. They uh, always uh, pointed us to God and brought us to church and they're, they're amazing. My parents are amazing people. So there was no like big thing that stood out to me about like why I felt these things. Um, but God, you know, over many years, like really helped me walk out my healing journey. And through that, I, um, I've always just had a heart to help people. And so God just showed me that he wanted me to use that heart, um, in the context of mental health. I started actually in a homeless shelter, uh, as a case manager and, um, it just wasn't enough. I like wanted to go deeper with all of my clients. And so then I, uh, ended up becoming a therapist and then what happened after that. And, you know, cause I, I loved being a therapist. I love getting to help people find this healing, but 
I, um, after my son was born, I took a break and I was at home and then I, I got pregnant again and I was about three months along and I had a miscarriage and God, um, just did some amazing things through that season. And this is one of like the reasons I love the work you do because, uh, there's these horrific things that can happen, but God doesn't waste any of our pain. And so for me, this was a huge turning point. Like God did some, like opened my eyes in this whole new way, uh, to his supernatural power and, um, his goodness. And I actually like trusted him so much more after that, because I was like, the very worst thing that I could imagine happened and I'm actually better for it. Like, uh, I, God grew me in that season more than, than ever before. And so that in that season, God, I just really felt him calling me to, um, just be a more of a light for him in this world and speak more directly about Jesus and get to help guide moms on this journey of healing and, um, yeah, just to, to get to be his light and do this for his glory. So it's just funny how all of this pain is what led me to this place where I get to, to do what I'm doing and it's, yeah, God is so good and we can trust him. And I know this is all what your podcast is about and I, I love it so much. It's just so amazing how God can take the worst thing possible and turn it out for good is like the verse where he says God will work all things for good for the people who love him and that is so totally true in your life and I can hear it from the way you share your story it is just so amazing now how from that place of pain now you are helping so many other mothers um, to walk through it so um, going back to what you said uh, earlier, you, you were saying that you grew up in a good home and there was like no abuse, your parents were wonderful. So then how, how do you think childhood wounds are formed if, 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 even for those who grow up in such a wonderful, good family? How, how are the childhood wounds formed? Yeah, that's a great question. I... Yeah. So I, the, the theory that I use, I learned it in grad school. Actually, one of my professors created it. Um, his name is Dr. Terry Hargrave. And I went to a Christian seminary for uh, grad school and I, he, he actually studied with like all of the marriage and family therapists that we read about in our textbooks. So he's this brilliant man. He's done a ton of research and he created this theory called restoration theory. And so that's what I'm going to be referencing today. And I'm just so obsessed with it. Um, so restoration theory tells us that, uh, kids are born with like these two spindles and, um, one is love and one is trust when they each represent those things. And so as we're kids, uh, our parents and our caregivers will pour in these, this love and trust into these spindles and fill them up. And the, the spindle of love answers the question, who am I? And the spindle of trust answers the question, am I safe? And so we're getting filled up, but the thing is we're being raised by humans and humans are imperfect. And so regardless of how much good our parents pour into us, how, how hard they try, how healthy they are, there's going to be moments where they mess up because we're all fallen humans. And so even, even with the best parents, we get these wounds. And what happens is if there's a violation of love or trust, it creates these core childhood wounds. And those wounds kind of stick with us through the years. Now, uh, research tells us that we don't do 
a hundred different things, or we don't feel a hundred different things, but actually we feel about the same three things again and again, we do about the same three things again and again. So what happens is these like core childhood wounds are formed and and, and even if you have really great parents and somehow you come out completely unscathed from childhood, then you go to middle school and we all know what middle school is like. And so, you know, we're going to get wounded at some point. And so along that growing up journey, we get these wounds that are formed in us and they, they don't, we're going to talk about neural pathways in a minute, but it begins this neural pathway and it stays with us through our whole lives. And so that's for me, it's like these little moments that, that wounded me. And my three core wounds, um, are, I feel alone and we'll go more into this, but I feel alone out of control and inadequate. And it was like just these small things that did it like a memory about being alone. I I remember, um, my brother, who's like a year and a half younger than me. I remember him sitting in my mom's lap and I just felt like, Oh, why doesn't like, why don't I ever sit in her lap? Like, I felt like she was only physically affectionate with him. And so it's like these little moments and I've, I've asked her about it in recent years. And she's like, Oh, I have, I have no memory of that. That's so strange. You know? So it wasn't like this big thing. Well, yes, I, you know, I only loved your brother (laughs) and I knew that, but I, it's, it created this, this wound and this narrative in my life. And same with out of control. Like my parents have a generally healthy marriage. They have been together again for 35 years, but they're kind of a more high conflict couple. And so I remember when I was growing up, they would be in these conflicts and I would just feel so out of control. I would feel like, um, I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know what to do. I could even blame myself at times. And so it created this feeling of out of control in me, even though there's no like big thing that happened. And then the same goes for inadequate. Um, I, you know, from what I can think of, I remember my dad staying up late with me to help me on these projects. And, you know, he is amazing. Like he stayed up late. He he wanted to help, which is so great. But I remember at some point, like him kind of taking over and, um, I was just kind of sitting there waiting for him to finish the project. And so I think it's part of that just formed this idea that what I had to offer just wasn't quite good enough. And, I, we are not about blame. Like none of this is to blame my parents. They're amazing. And I'm so grateful for them, but it just helps to understand. It just creates this. Um, it allows me to know what is going on and like how it happened and what I was feeling, what I'm feeling now. And so, um, it's all just about understanding, but that that's how I see these childhood wounds getting formed. Wow. That is so, so interesting. I never knew about that. And yeah, thanks for sharing that. So can I ask, uh, why do we still get constantly triggered by what happens when we are growing up, even when we encounter situations which are unrelated to our family? Yeah. So like I, I mentioned, these cho- these core childhood wounds, it's a tongue twister, get formed and they they continue to last. They don't just go away. And so Um, when we experience pain in our brains, so a violation of love or trust, which creates these childhood wounds is, is like pain, a pain point. And our brains, when it senses pain or the threat of pain, it goes into fight or flight mode. 
Now, fight or flight mode is amazing if there is a bear in the forest. Um, it actually helps our hearing to become more acute. Our uh, eyesight is sharpened. Even our blood thickens to help prepare uh, to clot in case we're injured. So it's so amazing if we are in a forest and there's a bear. But the problem is our brains have a really hard time distinguishing from emotional pain and physical pain. So even in these emotional moments where there's no threat to our bodies, our brain senses it the same. And additionally, our brains have trouble distinguishing between a small conflict and a large conflict. So what happens is these, these childhood wounds last with us and they, we, that we carry them with us. And so even now like these little moments can trigger it. So an example is like a, a kid that, you know, is hiding in the closet because their parents are arguing and they go to that closet to try and deal with it. But now they're an adult and just like the slightest inflection in uh, their husband or their boss's voice re-triggers that feeling of being unsafe. And so as we go into our coping, into our fight or flight mode, we tend to cope in one of four ways, or you can do all four. So we're either blame, which is uh, we say you are all bad. Like you are the problem. We shame, which goes internally saying I am all bad. We, uh, get angry, which we all know what that looks like. And then, or we can escape, which this could mean like physically walking away from conflict, or it could mean like numbing out an addictive behavior. And so we, we tend to, uh, grab onto one of these or, or all of them. And the, the, fight response is the anger or the blame and the flight response is the shame or the escape. And so we, um, just like with our feelings, we have about three core ways that we tend to respond and it creates this cycle. So we, it be, it, uh, we have these automatic responses that happen and, uh, restoration theory calls this a pain cycle. So we have our trigger, our pain point, it ignites our fight or flight mode and we go into our coping and then we have other people that respond to our coping. So for example, say, you know, I just shared one of my main pain points is feeling alone. So I, you know, maybe I had a day at home with the kids. I wasn't working and I was at home with the kids all day. So I'm really needing some a uh, connection. Like I really want that connection. My husband comes home. He's had a really long day of work and he is exhausted. And I reach out trying to get some of that connection. Now he kind of shrugs me off, which he probably does unintentionally, but that triggers my pain cycle. And so I feel alone. And when I feel alone, I cope generally with anger. So then I get mad at him. I'm, I'm reaching out, trying to connect with him, but he is not going to respond any better to my anger. And so when, when my anger ignites, that triggers his pain. So now he probably feels unsafe because I'm yelling at him and then I've grown a lot in this area, but this is an example that used to happen all of the time. And then he goes into his coping. And so then his, his general way of coping is to withdraw. And so when he withdraws and my pain was feeling alone, how does that make me feel right? Like 
even more alone. And so it just cycles around and around and around. And it all got formed when we were kids and we just carry it with us through all of these new relationships. And the same goes with like our kids and tantrums. Uh, You can imagine (laughs) how that would be mapped out. Yeah, I totally can relate to the cycle going on and on, round and round, spinning in circles. So what can we do to get out of this pain cycle? Yes, there is hope. Promise you there is hope. So what we do is we create a peace cycle. So a peace cycle is like the opposite of the pain cycle. So uh, we first have to identify the truth about the situation. So these things we feel, they are not the truth. I am actually never alone. The truth is I'm never alone. God is always with me. He promises me that. And in addition to that, like my husband, even when he's not wanting to connect, he, he wants to be with me. He's, he's in it with me. And I have other people that are supporting me and around me. And so it's not true that I'm alone. So first we have to identify that truth truth. And then even out of control, you know, that's one of my core feelings, but it's not true that I'm out of control. There are things that are out of my control, but I always have choices. And then with inadequate, I know that I am enough because God created me. I'm created the image of God. He planned me out. And so I know that because he made me and because he's called me, he's equipped me. And so I can know that I am enough. And so we identify these these truths to combat these lies that we believe. And then the next step is to choose new actions. So instead of getting angry, I am going to, because what I'm doing in that anger, what I'm really trying to do is reach out for connection. I want that connection. And I, sometimes I I try and get it through yelling, even though it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't actually work. Most of this, the coping that we do isn't necessarily logical, but that's what I'm trying to do. So instead of reaching out for through anger, I'm going to reach out in a peaceful way for connection. So then we, yeah, we create our peace cycle, which we, when we can act in those ways, most of the time people are much able, much more able to respond in a peaceful way. And they, not always, because this is not a guarantee. We're not trying to manipulate or change anyone else. We can only take responsibility for our own feelings and our own actions, but generally it's going to set other people up in a much better place to respond peacefully. So we create our peace cycle and then we have what restoration theory calls the four steps. So these are very simple, but they literally rewire our brains. So what's, what's happening is this pain cycle has created what's called a neural pathway. Our brains are lazy. Like we talked about, they like the same thing. They like repetition. So if you imagine like a trail in a forest that has been walked down, it's the path is cleared. The, the shrubbery is gone. The rocks are gone. There's no trees. You can walk down it easy. And so that's, what's happening with our pain cycles. It's a clear path through our brain and our brain likes that. So when we do these four steps, we're trying to create a new neural pathway and it is hard work at first. Believe me, these, these steps sound so simple, but like, if you're in that moment of pain, you can feel the excruciating agony of like trying to do this because your brain does not like it. It wants to go down the clear path, but the more that you can do it, the more the path gets cleared and you form a new neural pathway. So the four steps are one, say what you feel. And I'll give you an example in a minute. Say what you feel Two say what you would usually do, which this kind of tricks your brain into not going into that old coping because you're saying it out loud saying, I'm not going to do this now. 
Number three is say the truth. And then number four is say what you will do instead. So say that same scenario happens with my husband. He comes home, you know, maybe I get triggered at first, but then I'm like, wait, 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 I want to, I want to redo this conversation. And I say, usually I grit my teeth at the beginning. Cause I'm like in my pain still. And I say, I feel alone. And two tips here. One, when you say this first part, you cannot add in. I feel alone when you don't hug me. I feel alone because you don't talk to me. I feel alone. <laughs> we don't add anything after that. There can be a conversation about maybe like, Hey, can we create space to connect later? But this is not for that. This is to take full ownership of what you're feeling. So, and then the other part of that is do this out loud. So even if you're alone, do it out loud, because when you speak this out loud, it moves what's happening from the emotional part of your brain, the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex where logic and reasoning come into. And so if you can do it out loud, even if you're alone, it's great. If you can do it in the context of a relationship, even better. So it would look like I feel alone. I usually would get really angry with you, but I know the truth is that I am never alone. And I usually hang out here for a second to like really regulate myself. And I say, I know I'm never alone. God is with me. And I know you're with me too. So instead of getting angry this time, I'm going to reach out to you and talk to you and say, Hey, can we find a time to connect? And then the, the fifth step would just to be, to do that new action. So it's like, uh, like I kind of just did, like, instead of, as you reach out for connection, try and form, uh, that time to do that. So the fifth step is doing whatever that new action is. And so this doesn't resolve the problem. There might still be something to talk about, but it gets you in a regulated place so you can actually have a grounded conversation and you're not just triggered in your pain and cycling around. And it gets you to a new place to begin problem solving and begin that resolution. And the more that you do it, the more that neural pathway is formed and the more this becomes your automatic response. Wow, four simple steps, but so, so powerful. I'm totally going to try it out. And I was wondering, um, how could we apply these four steps uh, to pregnancy fears and worries? Just wondering out loud. Do, maybe an example would be, I, I know some of my listeners, they are worried about uh, the development of their baby or how their pregnancy is going. So let's say if they have this kind of worry, how do we create a peace cycle using the four steps? That's such a great question. Yes. So the first thing I think of um, is just really reinforcing the truth. So I know um, that was something that helped me when after I had my miscarriage and I started to have that fear again, you know, um, I really spent a ton of time. I, I had, I read the book, Supernatural Childbirth. I don't know if you've read that one. Yes. yes that's an amazing book. Yes. It changed my life so much. And there's so many prayers in that and so much scripture to back up like, Hey, we don't have to fear this. This is not like what God desires for you. You have protection. And so really honing into that truth. And, uh, one part of the truth is there are three sources of truth. So we have, um, the first source is ourselves, which is actually kind of the most important. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's others. And then there's God the scripture. So the reason that the self is the most important is not because I believe that self is where truth comes from, but God throughout all of scripture again and again, tells us how great we are and how, how protected we are and all of these truths. But until we're ready to like 
receive them and allow them to sink into us, they're not going to, we can just shrug them off and throw them off. Same with others. They can sit here all day and tell us how great we are and how awesome we are. But until we are ready to receive that and believe that and do the work, we're going to shrug it off. So in a way we have to really get our minds and hearts ready to receive that truth. So that's the first thing I think of. The other thing I, I, would go to is just really honing in on the pain part. Like what, what fear is that bringing up? How would you name that? Like, do you feel out of control? Do you feel unsafe? Like what are the narratives that have added to this fear um, that might even be from something completely different, but have created this neural pathway that you're, you're going down uh, what fear in your past or what narratives have created that neural pathway. Um, and so, yeah, just, walk, you can even walk out this step with yourself, uh, with God. And, you know, and every time you get triggered, every time say out loud, go in the bathroom. If, if you don't want to do it in the context of a relationship, go in the bathroom and say out loud, I feel out of control. I, I usually get anxious, but I know that God promises me that I am protected. I know that God desires for me to have this baby and, you know, go stay there as long as you need to. So instead, and then you go to the step number four, instead of getting anxious, I am going to relax and trust God. And then you do it and you map out what that would look like to step into that trust with God more. Wow. That is so powerful and so good. And I am very sure that my listeners, the listeners of this podcast would be benefit so much. So why don't you tell them how they can find you? Where can they find you like on your podcast? Yes. Um, so my podcast is called Morning Mama. And yeah, I really help moms just overcome all of uh, all of these things. We I work to help them heal from the past, parent with perfect and live out their calling. And I, you can find that on any podcast platform. I also have a Facebook group with women that are just ready to do the work. They're opening up and going there about what they're struggling with in motherhood, which let's be honest, like all of us have struggles. And what I love about your podcast, Gladys, is that it starts with this first part of motherhood. So I think we're such a perfect team because I don't talk a ton about this part of pregnancy and everything that comes up, but there is so much that comes up. And so I think we're almost on, on a similar mission. You're just starting off in the pregnancy zone. And then I, I feel like we have a similar mission from there where I just really want women to help find that peace in motherhood. I don't believe it has to just be consuming. And so when we can heal ourselves, we can show up as the best moms for our kids and the best wives for our husbands. So uh, yeah, I'm over there. My Facebook group is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash morning mama Facebook group. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. I don't show up there a ton, but you can see my face. Uh, and my Instagram is morning mama podcast. And I would love to meet all of you and hear your story and yeah, get to know you more. Thank you so much for being here, Brittany. I think it's been a wonderful, wonderful session. You have taught us so many things, the pain cycle, the peace cycle, the four steps. That is so much value and I thank God for you. And so head on over to Brittany's podcast, Morning Mama, and also her Facebook group, which is Bitly. Could you repeat that again? Yeah, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Morning Mama Facebook group. And Gladys, I'm just so grateful and honored to have been here. So thank you for this opportunity and for all the work you're doing. Thank you, Brittany. That was really, really helpful. And 
I'm sure that you got a lot of value out of her sharing, just as I did. Before we end today, I would like to remind you about the holiday sale for the Christian Pregnancy Course, where you will get a $50 discount on the course. Head on over to ChristianPregnancyCourse.com to learn more. That is ChristianPregnancyCourse.com If courses are not your thing and you would like to work with me, head on over to bit.ly slash Christian Pregnancy Coaching to get more info about the coaching sessions. That is bit.ly slash Christian Pregnancy Coaching. I'll see you there and see you in the next episode. God bless you and your baby always. If this podcast has blessed you, helped you or challenged you, please share it with another mom-to-be or mom and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. This helps inspire a generation of kingdom mothers and future world changers. Also, come join the Christian Pregnancy Facebook group at bit.ly slash Christian Pregnancy Group. That is bit.ly slash Christian Pregnancy Group. See you in the next episode. May God bless your pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum journey with His joy and peace always.